Today is March 10th. We had a pleasant conversation with Jameson Tyone. So let's talk with him about the Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Recaps galore. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks, brought to you by SeatGeek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Use the app when you're buying tickets. It can be baseball, football, a concert, or maybe an art gallery, but maybe not. I don't know. If they sell tickets, if they sell tickets to it, yeah. Uh, They rate every ticket zero to ten to make sure you're getting the best deal. Green means good. Red means bad. Don't worry. We've got a hookup for you. I don't know why you're worrying, but don't worry. Use code YANKS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. $20 off your first purchase with promo code YANKS. Make sure you click the link in the description. Download the app. Code YANKS for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. Jake, you have a nice haircut because uh, we're going to Arizona. As people listen to this, we are flying to Arizona. SeatGeek, Jim, BBD, everyone listening to this ever. Even people that go back a hundred years and listen to this. Hello. My great-grandson. What was great-grandpa like? He made a lot more wiener jokes than I thought. Um, I'm good, man. And I'm definitely future good as we're on our way to AZ. Hopefully (laughs) linking up with a a bunch of players. Um, Good to get back with JMO. Our third interview with Jameson Tyone. We had one with a, when he was a pirate, two as a Yankee. Yeah, second on Talking Yanks. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, J-Mo's, uh, J-Mo's great at everything, everything on the table. It's funny. Uh, you know, just anytime you get guys to be real, and, you know, J-Mo talks about it at the end, like he's <laughs> – J-Mo is thirsty for baseball. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been, it's been a – his livelihood up until this point that, uh, you know, he talks about some of the other baseball content and stuff he's searching out. So I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm excited for future me to be in Arizona. I'm probably posting really good content right now. So go check that out. Um, so yeah. How are you doing BBD? I'm great. Yeah. I'm enjoying the flight. Maybe. Hell yeah. What are you doing on the flight? BBD? Uh, I've got headphones in. Don't know what songs up because I usually I just I just hit shuffle and and see where it takes me. That's my usual James flight routine. Your yeah, you're actually. We forgot to tell you. You need to feed Baby James the whole flight. That's fine with me. Okay. I don't, you guys know I love babies. Big baby. Let's That's go to the interview. Yeah. You want to go to the interview? Yes. Yeah, not even an interview. It's a pleasant conversation. Yeah. We talk about. Last year in the Yankees and his injury and how he's doing. And then we talk about the new rules and the CBA. And then we talk about some other fun stuff and how much Wandy is going to beat up Jake. Yeah. So without further ado, I'm the most pathetic man in the world. Gong. Baseball. We are joined by recent college baseball fan, Jameson <laughs> Tyone. Jamo, how you doing, man? 
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so I'm down in Houston and they had the uh, like college classic at, I think the Shriners college classic at Minute Maid last week. Uh, so it was on a lot of the local TV channels and college baseball is pretty entertaining. I never went to college, but um, you know, I like to keep up with draft prospects and stuff. And there were some dudes at that tournament last weekend. So I got pretty into it. Done. We, be, we talk about a lot with Trev uh, from talking baseball and he's uh He's a, a baseball snob. He admits he's like, I can't get into it. But there's, it's, it's definitely a different atmosphere, the college baseball stuff. I've been trying to get into it now. Some camera angles are too funky for me. I can't see what the hell the pitchers are doing. And then the metal bats scare me. Oh, yeah. I saw a home run that, like, the uh, – I think he's, like, a draft-eligible, like, big prospect for Tennessee. I saw a sick angle of a home run he hit last weekend at Minute Maid. And it was a bomb, but the metal bats will freaking they'll hurt your ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are uh, some of those guys at that level probably shouldn't be using those. What um, where did you get if you were going to college? Because we always joke with Trevor Plouffe, he got he was said he was going to go to Stanford. He had a he had a full ride there, obviously first round pick. Where where were you looking at? Where were you going to go? And let's make that your college. Yeah. So well. They're not going through the best of times right now, but I was committed to go to Rice. Um, growing up like a Houston area kid, that was just the dream school. Yeah. Um, they went to the College World Series multiple times when I was a kid. Um, so I committed there. And then actually now is the closest I've gotten to, to ever playing for Rice. They've been letting me come and throw bullpens. And they're highly uh, analytical and technology uh, pitching lab. And I'm facing hitters there on Thursday on their field and stuff. So that's the closest I came to, to setting foot on campus. And when I was growing up, that was like the dream school over Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. That was the school. And I figured like I couldn't get into that school academically, obviously. <laughs> so might as well use baseball to, to try to get into the best school possible. Yeah, I remember they they were a pitching factory for a while. There's like Philip Humber, some guys like that. Yeah, Lance, Jeff Lance Neiman. Br- Jeff Neiman, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Some some Houston legends. Um, Are they using metal bats when you face the college kids? I'm going to be facing like a lot of minor league pro okay. guys or free agents and stuff. So I've already been hit in the head twice in the big leagues, even with a wood bat. And I'm not trying to get hit in the head off of a uh, aluminum line drive. Smart. Yeah. I would say that's a good policy jt yeah. chargois shags shags rice guy i gotta get off this page uh <laughs> it's anthony talk- rendon tyler yeah. duffy it's a pretty good alumni list it's uh it is talking yanks jmo and i think what yankee fans want to hear the last we saw you you're a little banged up how i know we already asked you selfishly how how you feeling man i feel really good i feel really good um Yeah, it's just, it was such a weird injury. It took me a while to even wrap my head around like completely what happened. Um, You know, I felt like I was doing everything in my power all season to stay healthy. Obviously, like the elbow is my biggest concern. And then out of nowhere, end of the season in a pennant race, my ankle blows up and hurts to walk and stuff. So that caught me off guard. Um, I got surgery end of October. The first like six to eight weeks were pretty slow. Uh, I was pretty much non-weight bearing. I was just stuck on the couch going crazy. Um, and then after that, like the, the progress has been awesome. I'm probably ahead of where we actually thought I'd be, or at least at the very least right on time. Um, so I'm facing hitters on Thursday. I've been throwing like pretty max effort bullpens. Uh, I've started lightly running I'm doing some like light jumping and, and stuff like that. 
We were shocked last year. I want to kind of go back to, um, I guess, the start of the season. Going into the season, it was like, how many innings is JMO going to get and Kluber? And I think a slow play it. And we thought they would, you know, because both coming off injury and then the shortened season. And they kind of did with Kluber. Well, he got hurt. But you, I think they, like, pushed you your very first start of the season. But from there, it was every fifth day, basically. Were you... Yeah. Was that like, did you advocate for that? Did Was there a conversation about like going slow, building up or just going straight in? Because we were a little surprised that you pitched a ton. Yeah. Yeah. 29 starts, I think, was my second most ever in a big league season. Um, yeah. So we, they were careful about not like formally putting a limit on me in, in conversations and stuff. That's where like Cressy and our strength crew and our trainers and PTs and pitching coaches and Booney, everyone like sat down and they're like, look, we're not going to just throw a number on you. That's not really fair. Like we need to see how you're bouncing back between starts. We want to like assess your body throughout the year and make sure that like your range of motions are good and that you're staying strong and stable in every area that you need to be. Um, so I feel like just through the work we did in the training room, the weight room and um, you know, managing my workload, maybe a little bit in between starts and stuff that kind of like bought me the opportunity to make more starts and pitch more innings um, there were definitely some starts where maybe like I would have liked to have thrown more early in the season where I was at like 75 pitches and Booney would kind of say like, Hey, we're going to save some of these bullets like for later in the season. We want to make sure we do this right. We want to make sure we don't burn you out too early, stuff like that. But, um, if I was like dealing or moving, you know, uh, through a lineup or whatever, there was no talk ever about pulling me because of pitch counts or arm health or anything. It was kind of just like an open conversation, which was awesome. Yeah, 29 starts, 20 of them you threw, 80 or more. So I know I just, I guess our brains were just ready for like limited, but it was it was cool to see you just go. We were, we were like, I hope everyone's good here and it's uh, going well. And then yeah. the other storyline with your season, I know that you were on toe in the slab with Coney uh, and talking about this, but you were, you had that start in Philly and you were very honest in your post game. And, and then from there on, you were the best pitcher in the AL or in baseball for like the next two months or something like that. It was 10 game stretch with a yeah. one ERA or something like that. Was that how it happened? Like that's how it seemed to happen for fans. It was like bad start yeah. post game. You're honest. And, and did you go out the next start and it just clicked or was there more buildup than just kind of like a quick turning of the leaf there? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like early in the season, I feel like I was kind of just dipping my toes in the water trying to figure out, like I've never been a four seam guy up in the zone or, um, you know, I haven't pitched in two years and I've shortened my arm stroke. I was kind of just trying to like feel my way through it. And then I didn't get out of the first inning in Philly. I think it was like June 12th was the date. And I was like, all right, it's, I'm done messing with things. I, I need to perform starting now. Like I'm a liability. Uh, it's embarrassing. I mean, not making it out of the first inning of a big league start, like that's embarrassing. Um, I put the bullpen in a bad spot. I put the team in a bad spot. So that was one of those things where it's like, I kind of had a feeling I, I, that was in my gut. That wasn't how I was supposed to be pitching and stuff. Um, so we just all sat down, all the brain trust catchers, put our heads together. We're like, all right, where can I get better? Where am I predictable? Uh, where's the hardest contact against me coming? Like, what are some things I can do to help me not have to grind so hard through at bats? Like it shouldn't be this hard on me. Like I have pretty decent stuff. I shouldn't have to be completely fighting for my life every five days um so that's where it was kind of like all right let's start throwing the two seam a little more let's start throwing down and away a little more 
uh, let's start throwing the curveball harder again. Like, let's just do a lot of different things to take away some of that predictability. Um, but I feel like more than anything, it was just that time where it was like, okay, I need to put my foot down and this kind of stops now. The best way to get feedback in the big leagues is from the hitters and the opposing hitters let me know that what I was doing wasn't working. So it's time to change. How, uh, I, I guess I was going to say, I don't want to dive into that, but in a way, I mean, this, you know, opened up a incredible stretch of your season. Like how serious does honesty hour get? Like, you know, Higgy slapping you in the chest and he's like, you know, bring it up, hit the mitt. Like how, how real are things getting in there? Uh, it was more just like eye opening to see. So we sat down and we had like a projector screen and it's like, okay, here's, if we're creating a scattering report against you, like here's where hitters are going to look. They're looking up in the zone in all counts against your fastball. And like it plays pretty well, but like even Garrett can't throw every fastball up in the zone and he has four miles an hour on me. Like he has one of the best fastballs in the game. And like, even he can't just go out there and throw every pitch in the same spot. So they were like, all right, it's dark red up here at the top of the zone and it's blue in the other areas. So if I'm a hitter, I'm not even looking anywhere else besides up in the zone, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was more like, here's a, a visual of what we're doing and where we can improve. And then I went out and threw a bullpen that day, like literally right after our meeting, I went out and threw a bullpen. Um, and I feel like that bullpen kind of helped turn my year around. That's awesome. What, um, how's, uh, I know when you originally came over and we talked to you on Talking Yanks, you know, we obviously romanticized you and Garrett going back to the pirate days. What's, um, I, I mean, what's the communication been? Cause you know, we're obviously going to talk a little bit of lockout stuff. Like, is there, is the starting pitching group chat going and, and, and Garrett's calling some things like what, what's going on in there? Uh, so I stay in touch with them pretty well. I'll uh, I'll send videos of my bullpens to them or catch play or we'll talk about the lockout situation and stuff. Or sometimes it's as simple as him just like sending a video of his kid and just saying like, you know, hey, what's going on? Checking in, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, reuniting with him was great. Um, you know, he's grown a lot as, as a dude and a teammate since I played with them and he's in a great spot. Um, you know, great leader of the staff. He helped me a lot throughout the year. Corey Kluber helped me a lot throughout the year. Um, overall, like the starting pitching group, even the, the relievers too, like our whole pitching group is just really, really solid, high quality guys. Except Wandy, Wandy kind of wants to beat up Jake. Yeah. What's yeah. I don't really know what's going on there. Like, <laughs> okay. I can, I can understand a little bit of Spanish. I don't speak any of it, but I swear those guys were always messing with Wandy. Like, I don't know who was messing with who. I don't know if he brought it upon himself. But uh, some of those videos of like whenever, you know, the, there would be a mound visit and like Ruby or someone would be yelling at him. They'd be smacking each other like that <laughs> stuff like is so funny. The last game of the season or, or something. He had, he had a big outing. And yeah, one of the funniest mound visits we've seen because they just it was Rizzo was out there and they just all started beating up Wandy. That's <laughs> pretty yeah. funny. I think you guys posted that yeah. or something and I got a really good kick out. Of yeah. Yeah. It was bizarre. I've never seen a pitcher treated that way. And then we we talked about on the on on our show, and then that kind of pivoted. We made a joke that like Wandy's the type of guy that I think he hangs out in the streets and like challenges like the teenage kids, and then like just those change just, ups with just rocks bullies in the them alley. with yeah. And now Wandy's been bullying me online. Yeah. So like if I I don't know he's he had a video of him throwing like a change up. I don't even think it was an especially a good one. He just tagged Jake and said like, you're up. So, 
So if you can kind of steer the shift the away from that, yeah. Joe speaks Spanish. I'm no, I'm a little nervous. We're gonna get Wandy to beat you up. Yeah, it's I, gonna be good. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, some guys like respond well to just getting beat up and smacked <laughs> around. I guess I don't know. Some people need that like kick in the ass a little bit. I personally don't need it, so I don't, I don't need to be beat up on the mound. But he must he must like it somehow because he had a he had a really big year for us. Something yeah. worked. Yeah, he, he really came did. up big down the stretch. A lot of guys in the bullpen came out of nowhere. Like Litke came out of nowhere. Not not out of nowhere, but he he had like a big break in his career, and then he was playing a, yep. a pivotal role in big moments. Clay Holmes gets traded from the Pirates, and all of a sudden his two-seamer and sinker is like a huge pitch, and I, going forward he's going to be a huge part of the bullpen. It was cool to see uh, some names. And then obviously you had games where it was uh, heel and uh, – uh, what's our guy's name? That's the redhead, uh, writings like that Ridings. game. When, yep. when you look back at the season, I know we kind of talked about your season. When you look back at it from the Yankee season as fans, it was up and down like crazy. I mean, I think Cashman or Boone, like said, like, we're just the streakiest team ever. And there was the one sh- streak that was amazing. Um, and that kind of carried it yep. through, through after the, uh, um, field of dreams game. And then even like, you know, towards getting into the wild card game and the, the Mets series and the Boston series, it, there ended up being a lot of high drama. But when, when you look back, do you remember like moments or is there just a general vibe uh, from the clubhouse or your first time in pinstripes for a full season? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely highs and lows as a team. Uh, we played really well as a whole unit for some stretches and then other stretches, it seemed like we would hit and we wouldn't pitch or we would pitch and we wouldn't hit. And obviously throughout the course of the season, that's going to happen. Um, but it just seemed like there were definitely some games that we should have won that we didn't end up winning. But like, you know, we still finished 22 games above 500 and it seemed like we had a lot of things kind of not go our way throughout the year. So, I mean, it's an extremely talented group and, and coming from an organization where my first four or five years in the big leagues, we really didn't do much in the way of winning uh, to come over here and just experience in the clubhouse one, like the expectation to win and the accountability that everyone, everyone's just holding each other accountable, you know, in the pitching room, guys are participating in the meetings and giving feedback and guys are watching each other's bullpens and giving feedback and judging all the hitters are always talking. Like for me, that was a little new and super refreshing to see. Um, And then obviously like the expectations of the fans and the media, like, again, that was refreshing for me in a way because I've never been held to that standard before. And if you're not, wanting to play to that standard why the hell are you playing in the big leagues so um all that for me was just super exciting um to wear the pinstripes and have those expectations and to be on a team that like truly truly gave a crap about winning every single day it's fun to show up to the yard you know win or lose like have guys that you know are out there with you who are all pulling in the same direction and really just want to win that's that's a pretty cool feeling yeah we take it for granted as yankee fans that there's uh Teams out there, like you said, that maybe it's like not the uh, every, everyone's priority as a group and a unit. So we're a little pissy bunch. We know it. <laughs> but I think I think even it it helps that the fans expect so much because then you know it might drive ownership in the front office to go get the best players, and then the players to all hold each other accountable because we want to make the fans happy. And it's kind of like a big operating unit. Um, so I don't know if the fans didn't give a crap. I'd, probably think that the players wouldn't give the same crap that they do either. 
Yeah. And you kind of got into it. You got eased into it. Like you weren't opening day full crowd because it was still limited capacity. Was it 20% or whatever? Those games were nice and relaxing. We'd walk over and, <laughs> you know, it's just like kind of a, a casual watch. But by the end, like we went to the Mets game where, mm. you know, Whistlegate happened and then they're jawing at each other and Stan sitting mom and yeah. home runs. And then the grand slam that um, Stan hit against the Red Sox. And then obviously the wild card wow. game. Like you got a taste of, the yeah. rivalry, in a sense, uh, you know, sour aftertaste, but that damn wall, yeah. Stan, hmm. two bombs. He's, he's locked in. Yeah, the, the uh, big homer that Stan hit, not, I think it was the last time we went to, Fen, to Fenway, like yeah. end of September, that yeah. series we swept, the weekend series, that homer that he hit, uh, I mean, that was one of the coolest moments in the big leagues for me, just knowing how much every pitch mattered at that point. Uh, sold out crowd, Red Sox, Yankees at Fenway in a pennant race. That was pretty cool. You had a good seat for that. I uh, uh, My memory slips more and more each day. I was actually, not to fully New York City myself, I think I'm just trying to build up my street cred. Okay. I actually ran out to the bodega and I had, it, again. I had it on my phone. So I was at the bodega. Stan, I think it was against Darwinson. Yeah, they, that, they, we, that no one thought, everyone was like, they're going to let him pitch to him? <sighs> because they got... Well, that's pretty inside baseball. They got rope adult by by the um, having Gallo, right? They brought the lefty in for Gallo. Yep. I think he hit him in the foot yep. or he walked him. Yep. And then they kept him in for Stan. They right. had to because of the yep. the rule. And we were like, yep. "Well, you got to pitch around him." And it was like like first pitch fastball, I think, and just that or something like that. Absolute bomb. Do you have any, you have any good Stanton? I know, I know this is like an awful interview question because it's it's putting you on the spot. But like every time we relive. The past couple years of Yankees baseball, we're like, he's the man. Like, he he should be this kind of beloved New York City shrined athlete. And I think he's getting there with his playoff performance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we you know, New York City, like you talked about, there's the highs and lows of it. He came over yep. and was the guy from Miami with the big contract. Who is this guy? And now he's becoming a beloved figure. So, I, I don't know. If you've got any clubhouse stand, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, I don't have a ton. I do know that he, uh, I think it was like we had a day game followed by like, we already knew we were rained out the next day or something. And he had a bunch of guys, he picked up a tab at like a bar and dinner and stuff. Um, so he's that type of guy, not afraid to to take care of everyone and the younger guys and, and stuff like that, which again, playing on a team like the Yankees and having guys of that status who aren't afraid to to give it back to the young guys and to, take guys out and take them under their wing and stuff was pretty cool. Um, but he's, I mean, he's in the weight room like a lot. So I'll be in there just warming up and uh, moving around and, and talking or the day after I pitch, I'll be in there lifting or something. And he's in there like the entire day. He's either there or he's hitting. Um, so he takes it extremely serious and he's in the weight room a lot. So that's all I got. <laughs> Adds up. Adds up. Yeah. It looks like it sometimes. You see that body issue. It doesn't look like, yep. you know, <laughs> I've it's seen a it. casual <laughs> hobby. Jake reenacted it. Yeah. It looked was, different. It's a guy who doesn't spend a lot of time. It, looked, it looked different. <laughs> Before I naturally pivot to the second half of the interview, Jake, can you tell us about coffee? Jim, naturally, I want to tell you about trade coffee. Did you know 90% of coffee from the grocery store is stale? I did not. I love that. This is my favorite line in ad reads. And this is coming from Trade Coffee, who 
they won't give you stale coffee. So it's one of those things for me. I break things down pretty simply. Do you want stale coffee from a store? Or do you want good, fresh coffee from Trade Coffee? And for our listeners right now at Trade Coffee, they're offering you $20 off your first three bags. Bang biscuit. When you go to drinktrade.com slash yanks, they have a quiz. Me and Jimmy both took the quiz. They sent us some bags of coffee. We've been drinking them. And they will get you your perfect cup. And on the journey to your perfect cup of coffee, that's drinktrade.com slash yanks for $20 off your first tree bags A trade coffee. Go take the quiz. You drink coffee. Go get coffee. It's a trade coffee. And now let's find out what Jameson Tyone thinks about the shift. It just hurt me deep inside. <laughs> uh, uh, let's uh, speaking of Gallo earlier. He uh, tweeted he's a big proponent of uh, banning the shift because he he doesn't want to be bunting for singles that no one cares about anymore. Do you have any thoughts? I know a lot of pitchers like the shift because it can be your best friend. I know uh, Rich Hill hates it sometimes. Are you mm. in favor, indifferent, or excited to see how it plays out? I think I'm kind of like in the middle. I'm going to give a super in the middle. Okay, like, perfect. Ready for it. Here. I think shifting has gotten a little out of hand. Like having four outfielders and having your second baseman play a short right field, Like I do think that's gotten a little out of hand. However, I think it's also a competitive advantage. Like if you're a team that shifts extremely, extremely well and you use that to your advantage, like more power to you. Like. I remember hearing, I think it was on like a players association call and there was like a debate about it. This was years ago, like a couple years ago, guys were talking about it. And that point was brought up. It's like, our team is really good at shifting our infielder. Our infielders are very veteran and they like can adjust based off how the pitcher's throwing that day or what kind of swings they're seeing. So like now you're talking about not just banning the analytical part of it, but you're banning veteran infielders who are paying attention from like moving around too much and stuff. So I do think it's gotten out of hand, but I still like the idea of allowing your guys to move a certain amount. And if you have like a guy who hits 95% of his ground balls right on the left side of the field in between short and third or whatever, you should be able to move your infielders over there. But I do think some of them have gotten out of hand playing your second baseman in shallow right field. I think that's just like gotten ridiculous. It seems like every year they go like five more feet back (laughs) into right. I'm interested to see what the what the regulations or the rules actually are. Because like you said, I, I don't really have a problem if it's four guys on the dirt, three guys on the grass. Uh, yeah. And then you can, on the dirt, you can put three on the left side or on the right side to kind of stop the hard ground ball a little more. I wouldn't really care. I really don't like having multiple guys on the grass and then a guy rips a ball and it's just straight to a guy. I understand it's smart yeah. and they did their homework. Right. But yep. fans, especially new fans rooting for entertainment, aren't clapping yep. for scouting reports. Like, no, no one I, claps I and says, yeah, my pitch. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our guys, I feel like our team got shipped a lot. Uh, I saw whenever we got Rizzo, you'd see the second baseman playing extremely, uh, they'd be playing straight up right field. Yeah. Gallo, obviously, it's out of control. And all of our guys who hit the ball extremely hard on the ground and stuff, you'd see infielders moving all over the place. And I also don't like, like mid count shifting. So like you'll see the Rays mm. do it a lot. And again, like they were ahead of the curve with this, but like they'll play somewhere leading up to two strikes and then you get to two strikes and the whole infield shifts again. Um, again, I understand it, but it just takes away from like the flow of the game for sure. If it's allowed, 
you know, and it currently is allowed, then absolutely do everything to your advantage. But it's up to yeah. the league and and the players to say, hey, maybe that we should change this for the betterment of the entertainment. We we went to the Rays Dodgers World Series in 2020, and my God, watching them change in the middle of the at bat nonstop both teams it was like this blows yeah you pause those are two teams who are extremely good at it yeah they, they right. move extremely they well do it the all the time that's great my yeah. my pitch uh my campaign slogan is uh uh keep paper out of baseball i don't mm-hmm. want fielders having anything in their pockets i want it to be all instincts and reactions and athleticism and not scouting reports like you can get the information but you have to memorize it like okay yeah, yeah. He stands up. I play him 10 strides from my home base. So that's, yeah. you know, I don't have a big campaign yet, but it's starting. Yeah, it's... Rod Carew's on my side. Huge. I'd be fine with that. Like, I think even on the pitching side, you see catchers all around the game now have the wristbands. We do it too. And it's kind of, I mean, it's smart, but uh, I think it would play to the advantage of a team like ours where our pitchers and catchers all do their homework. Um, you know, like, I'll go into my start prepared. I'll do all the homework that I need to if that's what it takes. Um, I think it would only help a team like us where we all do our homework. So I'd be down with that. You seen the college fo- baseball teams? We were talking about that earlier that have the no. like the quarterback plays on their um, oh, yeah. like waistband. I think Georgia Tech does it and some others. I can't. I, it's like gross to me. It's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's gotten out of control. Mm. And I mean, shifts popular in the streets right now because of a lot of the CBA stuff going on. And we, uh, you know, as as we normally do here at Talking Yanks, we'll we'll start off with the lighter stuff. And I know you already cleared your name, but you know there was kind of a coffee gate that kind of stole the headline. So I'd, I'd I, you know, I'd like you to verbally clear that up on here. And uh, I I don't know. I guess I guess tell us about those meetings and what was going on with you and just. You know, I mean, anything you want to get out, man. I know we're we're lucky enough that with what we've built, we're we get to talk to a lot of the players and stuff, so we we get some of the ins and outs. But tell us what what your involvement has been and and everything that's been going on. Yes, yes. So I was down in Tampa. Um, well, first off, I was in New York for most of the off season, and I was playing catch with a net every day. So I was like, I'm going to go down to Florida, <laughs> start playing catch with real human beings and stuff. So whenever they announced that these meetings were going on, the negotiating meetings were going to be in Jupiter or Palm beach. I was like, I should go. That's a, you know, three and a half hour drive. Like there's no excuse for me not to go. I don't have kids or anything. I don't have any prior engagements. So I got in the car and I went, um, those meetings were long. I mean, those were long days of back and forth and caucusing and internal meetings and zoom calls. Uh, so yeah, I, I brought coffee one day. I'd been going to this awesome local coffee shop uh, the entire week. And I was like, you know what? I think everyone needs some coffee today. Uh, So I got a bunch of cold brews and then I got reported that I brought Starbucks, which I think when people see iced coffee, maybe they just associate it with Starbucks now. So I had to clear my name and say that it was a local coffee shop. Um, But I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pinch, I'll still go to Starbucks. I'm not above it by any means, but I was supporting local Um, And then as far as the negotiating goes, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that we are where we are because, you know, we did get locked out at the beginning of December. There wasn't much movement for what seemed like probably two months. And and even then, like, it seemed like once the movement picked back up and the meeting started back up, there wasn't much in the way of real negotiations until like recently. Um, So 
obviously now at this point, we don't really have time on our side. Um, so they've already canceled a week, a week of games and we're still decently far apart in, in some areas. And it feels like we're moving towards each other in different areas. Um, I know we have another deadline upon us today, so we'll see where we end up. Um, obviously all players want to play, but at the same time, we knew back in 2016, uh, when this last CBA kind of took, took in, um, we knew that this next one was going to be a fight. We knew that 2021, like we'd been hearing about this CBA this year for the last five years of our careers. Yeah. Um, you know, the way the CBT was operating, the way the free agent market had changed. We knew that we needed to get money in the, in the pockets of younger players. There's more young players in the game now than ever before. They're more polished than ever before. They're coming up and providing more value than ever before. So we really just want to get money in the pockets of younger players. Um, so that's the main thing right now. Um, we'll see where we end up. I mean, we're going to play games at some point. Uh, now it just comes to trying to find where each side can feel comfortable making a deal. And we haven't gotten there yet, but um, hopefully the, the conversations continue and, um, you know, we keep moving towards each other and make something happen. I forgot there was a deadline today. Well, this comes <laughs> out, this episode doesn't comes out Thursday. Yeah. So, Hey, maybe we're all the news so could change by then. Yeah. About the, the second fake we'll, deadline. We'll record two different takes just in case. Oh my <laughs> God. What a deal. <laughs> I don't think we need to. Yeah. No, I think we'll just wait it out because it's not a real deadline. Uh, is Scherzer scary in there? They said he was intimidating, which is like, obviously he's intimidating between the lines. Like, did he go into on the mound mode? He is intense. He's very, he's very smart. He's very educated and informed on what's going on and he's passionate about it. I wouldn't call him scary though. Okay. I don't think he's okay. in there like bullying anybody or scaring anybody. I definitely would call him like passionate about what's going on. Um, extremely informed. He's on the executive subcommittee, just like Garrett and Britton on our team. So he really knows what's going on. He's kind of in the know. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't call him scary. <laughs> okay scares me a little what uh in, in the room did you have a did you have a game plan I asked uh Ian Happ as the compound on our network he's our guy uh asked him this this same question what was your strategy when when you were in the room were you uh like did you have any did you want to raise your hand once and participate that's kind of how I got through school were you just observing or uh was there a lane you wanted to get involved in when it got brought up uh, not particularly. I was more there to like take notes, relay everything back to, to our team. Um, you know, being the, the rep, it's really about representing your team and, and just serving your constituents basically. So I just wanted to be in there, get the feel of the room, understand what was going on, take notes and kind of relay that back to people and have conversations on the side. Um, I definitely didn't speak up too much in actual bargaining and negotiating. Like I, wanted to leave that to, to our lawyers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm relatively involved in like the zoom calls and, you know, the caucusing and the internal talks and, and stuff like that, but definitely not trying to wedge myself in the middle of anything either. You didn't work. You weren't in the picture. Could you have been in that picture? What picture? Uh, the one where they're all kind of just standing there. <laughs> I don't oh, know how else to describe it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Like the, the press conference picture. Right? Yes. Yeah, like half of them yeah. are like doing the so, same pose and then the <laughs> others are not. 
Yeah, I was there all week. And then on that Sunday, I left because I do still have like physical therapy on my ankle yeah. and stuff. Um, so by going there that week, I missed a week of PT. So I was like, all right, I need to get back to Tampa, get my routine. Um, so I left the day or two before that, that actually happened. I needed to go work out and like get back in my rhythm. Man. Missed out on a fire. A great picture. I missed, yeah, that's a, that's a great picture. <laughs> all timer. It's wild. It's pretty, uh. You know, you got Tony Clark's beard and then a bunch like Trey Turner's there. And it's, it's baseball's a wild sport because Trey yep. Turner in that outfit, you don't look all, like he can hit bombs and steal bags. Shapes and sizes for yeah. sure. Yes. Yes. Um, Jake's a pretty good hitter now. Do you want to brag about yourself? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, although we were talking some blitz ball. Have, you haven't been messing with the blitz ball yet? You want us to send you one or what's the deal? I haven't messed with it at all, but. I, I watch a lot of like video games on Twitch, like streams. I'm a nerd. Mm. And the other night I was scrolling through like an explore page, explore for you. And I found a wiffle ball league. Yeah. It's like premier wiffle ball. I think it's out of Las Vegas. I watched it for like two hours. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting stuff. I, I really enjoyed watching it. And like some of those guys are pretty good athletes. We, so we invited a pair of wiffle ball guys. They're in major league wiffle ball. And uh, one of them couldn't make it. The other one came through, and uh, he was really good. And we're like, all right, cool, cool. And then he's, he brought a wiffle ball, and he's like, why don't you step in? I'm like, all right. Dude, the distance they throw from is insane. It's like 30-something 30 feet. 37 oh, feet. And so if you're throwing, like, what's the – it's like the Little League World Series conversion. Like, if you're throwing, like, 55 miles an hour from 30 feet, that's equivalent. That's got to be equivalent to, like – 90 or 100 or something. Well, that's what we were doing in our league. It's uh, We're from 47 feet with the blitz ball. And the blitz ball, at, you can throw 10 miles per hour faster than a baseball because okay. it's so light. Um, like, I can get it up to 70, and I, I can't throw a baseball 70. I have no arm at all. And, uh, and the reaction time on, like, a 75-mile-per-hour pitch from 47 feet is, like, 99. And then it breaks four feet. You're hitting off Garrett, basically. Yeah. Chappy. Yeah. Chappy splitter. But with, <laughs> but with control yeah, of it. Yeah, right? That thing's nasty. Well, uh, there is... I did find out part of their secret. Not... And I don't think it would ruin your next live watch for you, but I guess what they do is they can... From the arm slot, they can recognize the pitches pretty well. So that's what I didn't know. So this uh, this kid was whipping pitches at me from 37 feet away, and I'm just like, I can't even see the ball, dude. Like, I, what are we doing? But I guess, like, if they're going sidearm, that means it's whatever. You know, it's going to be a slider. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they go sidearm, is going to be – they call it – and they have different names. They have, like – it's like a drop ball. Like, that's a softball pitch and stuff. But, yeah, it's all different slots. So are you just scratching a weird – like everything but baseball itch. Yeah. Like you're with college baseball, you're getting your wiffle ball in, just anything with a ball and a bat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm working out in the mornings. I throw, I throw multiple bullpens a week and stuff, but I've got a lot of time on my hands. Like spring training, which we would be in right now, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how long I go to the field. It's got to be like minimum, like six to eight hour days minimum on there, especially like I was planning on having this ankle rehab to do too in spring. I was going to be having really long days. And now I've got like three or four hour days. I've got a lot of time on my hands. So, um, I'm making a lot of coffee, watching a lot of video games on my phone, playing a lot of video <laughs> games, just trying to stay busy. 
You got to get into cricket. That's the now the next bat and ball sport that I'm I'm just watching all the time now. I I I don't understand cricket in the slightest. I need to start with like a rule page or something. Yeah. I'll help you. Jim, Jimmy will send you some links. I'm uh, also DMing okay. you uh, the Blevin slider that I just found because <laughs> I need you to see how ridiculous this pitch is. I Man. think it's like 20 feet of left to right break. Gets a swing and a miss on it. That's dude. That's you're. You said you didn't. You didn't attend college because of this damn baseball stuff. But like, if you're doing three to four hours of work. And then you're pounding coffee and then looking for other stuff to do. You're kind, college. Of, you're yeah. kind of in a version of college. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is my college experience. Yes. <laughs> By Jameson yeah. Tayo. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's All right. I'm, I just, if you have your phone, you just look at that Blevin <laughs> slider and then we'll let you go. Did you send it to me? Yeah. I DM'd it on Twitter. I think it went through. Actually, it's like it. the batter is, uh, he was in the Yankee system last year. K-Mac. Oh, yeah. We can do a live reaction. Oh, that's yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah. That like started behind him and ended up like on the six bat rack outside. Bleachers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I mean, you guys, oh, you haven't had too much of, uh, you haven't had to watch me hit too much, but it's not pretty. So I probably wouldn't be great at. We had to lower the miles per hour to like, un- it's under 70 miles per hour only so people could put the ball in play. Otherwise, it's just impossible. Could you put in a pace of play stuff and just hard? Yeah, Blevins and and Trev both came up to me after the first couple games. They're like, "Dude, we got to change rules to get some offense." And then we were like, "Man, we feel like MLB. (laughs) Need some balls in play. No shifting. Yeah, yeah, no shifting. No, there's there was definitely a moment when Jerry first took the mound, and it was like, oh. You're a major league pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We I just he was throwing like 70 in, in warm-ups, and then as soon as the game started, it was like 83, 83, 83, and we're like, Dude. it's like sorry, adrenaline. Game I feel like mode. throwing that wide of a wiffle ball would like hurt your arm or something. Oh like yeah, that, so. it's it it hurts. It, we we're pretty sore. I threw like a hundred pitches the first day. <laughs> oh my god. We you all, have any stretching routines? I'm like, I'm an open we, book. We also haven't been training outside of the blitzball court like we should be. So we'll take any. You gotta have Cressy write you guys a program. Yes, I mean, don't. Do. He'll be so disappointed at how little I follow through with it. <laughs> one of the minor league coaches, once. Bossy, he gave me one stretch for my shoulder, and that's all I do now. He just circles a wall. I just all like day. spider circle a wall with my hips facing forward, and then. You know, at the hot spots, lean in. It's amazing. It's helped out. If you have any stretches, I'm all ears. All right. I, I keep this thing right next to me at all times. The, uh, like, massage gun. Oh. Yeah, I have one of those. I've got one of these that I sit on the couch with all day. It's just always next to me. Okay. I think. I think you, While I'm watching video games and drinking coffee. Yeah. I just do that. I think you just changed our our... Routine in the office because we have one of those and Jimmy's kind of been busting it out for special occasions. But now that might be in that might be like a cell phone. Yeah, like we'll get right here. Yeah, well we should get them to sponsor us. Okay. Yeah, we'll get that's a plug. Yeah, (laughs) ad. Yeah, let's use it. We'll have a segment where I just put it in the back of my head and then I talk and then it's all sounds vibrate-y. That's business, baby. Yeah. Well, we'll let you get back to uh, searching for things to do. Yeah, DM me some cricket stuff. I will. There's actually the Premier League is coming up, and the games start at 9.30 in the morning. I don't know if that's when you work out. But for me, that's like a nice time to like, oh, I can. It's the Indians. Indians. 
India's league. They don't let their talent play in other countries. So, you know, if so facto, their domestic league is the best league. It's wild. They have like an auction for every season. It's like a fantasy. It's like the owners are playing fantasy baseball. Like every season, they it's like a keeper league. They got like four players and they auction off the rest of the talent every year. Interesting. It's wild. He'll hook you up with cricket stuff. Yeah. I was shocked at like when I tweeted that about college baseball, I got so much feedback. I didn't know that there were that many people that passionate about college baseball. And I started following some accounts. I probably followed like 15 or 20 accounts and they are awesome. Like I'm literally scrolling my Twitter timeline and the majority of it now is like college baseball highlights and it's great. Yeah. Giving me my fix a little bit. It's where, I mean, Northeast it's, it's not there. Like a lot of college sports aren't popular. So I think it's the South and and West, but I didn't know it was that. I didn't know that that it's kind of um, hard when MLB and, and MLB fans are like, the youth doesn't like this. And then you show these college games and the whole outfield is just people drinking and cheering, like <laughs> having fun, <laughs> having so much fun watching the same sport. Yep. It's kind of bizarre. You got to get into uh, softball is actually a lot of fun too. I, I, I have ESPN plus, And if there's like a big softball matchup, because a ball goes in playing softball, it can be a routine out or it can be an inside the park, you know, little league yep. home run. You just have no idea what's going to happen. I watched a little bit of the Olympics softball and I was again, super impressed by like just how athletic they are and coordinated. They are like the field is smaller. The ball is just flying around. Yeah. Like some of the hitters are running out of the box and still like slapping it around. Yeah. It was, and I mean, to throw it that hard underhand, like you got to have some serious power. I was really impressed. Like I'd be laying on the training table or something, getting a stretch or getting treatment done, watching it, just like freaking out over how good they were. It's, it's wild when you can, because a lot of times in softball, I can't tell the pitches because it's such a short distance and the, the break yep. isn't that much. But some of the really good pitchers, they have the drop ball and you see the, the girls, uh, w- women swing over it. And I'm like, whoa, that's like, it's very odd that, or rare from my time watching, you really see the, the giant break. It's different. But uh, there was one recently and I was like, that was nasty. Like Normally when you see pump. like there's those videos of like pro baseball players standing in on like girls throwing a softball. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a baseball player whack a softball off of like a legit pitcher. I'm I was just, just I was just going to say it used to be like an annual all-star tradition like Jenny Finch mows down yep. XYZ. Albert Pujols. Right? Yeah, we need, I, yeah, I think we need to bring that back. A softball player reached out to us on Instagram. She wanted to come play Blitzball, but we can't find her. If you're listening, we want to do that. <laughs> We're ready. It was like a year ago. And, we accept and your we challenge. We accept your challenge. We have a warehouse now. We're ready for you. I need to get Kinger in the warehouse to teach me all his pitches. I invited him, but he's busy. He would be nasty. His slider already moves like 22 inches of horizontal or something, which is just absurd. Like, put a blitz ball in his hand, that thing would be moving. Get Kluber throwing his breaking ball in there. Clue ball. Clue ball. Don't even have to mic him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we already got the audio. Yeah, it's all there. Uh, all right, Ben. I'll just send you all the cricket stuff, and and we'll be on our way watching the uh, the IPL. I got some accounts to follow on there and stuff. Then okay. Steve Steve Smith is my DJ Lemayu of uh, the cricket world. He's kind of like a quiet. All he thinks about is hitting. Always has the bat in his hand. Guy, but he's short. Assassin. 
Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> he's short. Yeah. Cool, man. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you for Campbell. catching up with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Baseball. And there you have it. A pleasant conversation with Jamison Tyone, who is now a huge cricket fan. Yeah. And that's brought to you by DraftKings. Yes. The whole and on, conversation. The entire conversation is brought to you by DraftKings. Even the parts you didn't like, they sponsored, but especially the parts you enjoyed. Yeah. And if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, you can use promo code JOHNBOY and bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win. With promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. After talking to JMO, Jake, yeah, what do you? How do you? How do you feel about yourself? Ooh, I feel all right. Okay, I, I feel all right. It's uh, being in this weird locked out period. Like we haven't. It's been weird to look backwards on last season. Like we almost can't move on from last season, which stinks a little bit. And we can't move forward to the next season. So we're in this weird purgatory where we're still kind of holding on to last year. So, dude, reliving in my head J-Mo's last start, the Tampa game, where he was just trying to do anything in the, the injury. I mean, it's like that part of the season kind of gets swept under the rug because we got so hurt quickly after with the wild card game. Um and then, yeah, after that, I was also mentally laughing at how much he pitched last year. That was crazy. Um, but he was he was really good. He turned it on. And uh, I also, I always, I kind of, I almost said it at the start, but, you know, when that wiffle ball league finds out that Jamison Tyone was watching them play for two hours, like, they're going to be so happy. You never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. The other day I was watching um, uh, Timothy Schmimothy's YouTube How do you video. feel about yourself after the interview? Same. Okay. Good. Uh, hungry. Just hungry after the interview. Yeah. I think he's uh, Googling cricket right now. I could see him being a cricket guy. It seems like he's just a deep dive for like an hour guy and then never comes up again. He's a deep dive guy, a thousand percent. He digs deep and then he gets out. Yeah. Like he kind of digs deep, digs deep, then he realizes, where the hell did I just dig myself to? And then hits like an ejector button that poof, shoots know him right back up. Know to what I end. think it is? He gives it like an hour. To get him 100%. And he, two things have done that at this point in his life. Baseball and coffee. Yeah. I've... Uh, so, hey, cricket's kind of got a shot. I've been watching a lot of Rick Beato YouTube. Really? He's pretty popular. He's got like 2 million subscribers. It's a lot of music theory. Mm. And, like, uh, every video sounds interesting. And then I click it. And then I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But I wish I did. And then mm. I, like, I bow out. Super gray hair. I think I he kind of mm. looks like me if I if I okay. go like full gray. Okay, he's kind of got my facial structure in a way. Okay. Um, what's yeah. his name? Jimmy Bianchi. Rick Beato. Rick Beato. I think he's famous for like other stuff. Oh, not how I would have spelled Beato. 
You think you look like this guy? No, not in the pictures I'm seeing here. Definitely not. Um, but in some of the way when he talks, like maybe if I go full gray and shave, I think he's got, yeah. There's a ghost that lives in Rick Beato. <laughs> I mean, he's so gray. I like him. It's partially because of the ghost that's in him. I like him. Don't trash talk him. But I'm I mean, not trash talking him. I listen to a lot of his videos. I really don't understand what he's it's saying. It's like a badass ghost. Like it yeah. could be Jimmy I, I Hendrix. I see a tiny bit of me in that. If I shaved and had gray hair. Similar nose eyebrow situation. Looks like my dad a little there. A little like your dad. Yeah. Well, what do you think I'm going to grow up to be like? I know, and I knew you were going to connect that dot, but also no. No, that scared face doesn't doesn't help at all. Anyway, thanks to Jamison Tyone. Yeah, appreciate like it. you heard, we're heading to Arizona. Uh, I think we might have a little Tuesday something. We're gonna have a lot of the JM crew. Maybe we'll kidnap Tyler Wade for a little bit and make him do a tell all. The Tyler Wade Yankees tell all. He was. He said he's gonna be around. Tyler Wade gave me an answer that was definitely like, oh, cool, maybe I'll come, but definitely won't. Like, I definitely would rather be doing other stuff, yeah. but if I end up at your place. What up, bro? I might be in town. I might be in town. I have to go to California the 12th, but should be back the next day. If I'm here, I'll cruise over. So maybe you will, but okay. it definitely seems like yeah. you're not going to come. He's been working out with my CCSU guy, Sportman. They're friends. Here's details that Talking Yanks people need to listen to. Uh, Tyler Wade's tell-all. Maybe Chris Rose making Yankee fans happy that they're Yankee fans and not Guardian fans. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Go go, go follow Dan Work on Twitter. And that's the end <laughs> of the episode. He's fucking killing me all day today. The gluten-free chicken? It looks disgusting. <laughs> He responded, they look funky. I know, but they're so bang. I'm pretty hungry. Nen, you're hungry too. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Tell them, Grams. Oh, Yankees.